Hello and welcome back to Potternot. We all hope that you had a relaxing new year or a nice relaxing break between episodes. If you're binging, get up and go and drink some water. Uh, Potternot <laughs> is a podcast for those with conflicted Harry Potter feelings and those who have absorbed Harry Potter through cultural osmosis and want to dive into the good and the bad. I am Zoe, she, her, a jaded fan. Oh no, I need a new phrase. <laughs> a fledgling fan. A fledgling, oh that's cute, I like a that. A fledgling fan. I am E, my pronouns are she, they, and I am a fledgling fan of Harry Potter. And I am Adela, a fan in crisis, and my pronouns are she, her. All right. And we're in book two. <laughs> What's the title of book two? <laughs> uh, book two is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. I am looking at it right now. So, that's <laughs> so we read three chapters. Chapter one, The Worst Birthday. Chapter two, Dobby's Warning. And chapter three, The Burrow. E, what did you think of chapter one? Um, or what did you think overall, I guess? I was going to say, there are different answers depending on how you frame that question. <laughs> um, I think overall, I'm finding this very similar to like book one in that it's very easy reading. I don't know. The plot hasn't started yet, right? No. It's like this is all very much opening, setup, establishing some prior events for people who maybe didn't read the first one. Yeah, you'll find that the first three kind of all start in the same way. Yes. This definitely feels like you're coming back from a mid-season finale. Mm -hmm. There's literally recaps. Like, there's, there's, there's paragraphs that are like, Harry Potter is a wizard! Yeah. Which is yeah. pretty common for yeah. for young adult series like yes. this. One of the things that I would argue that I don't know is true, but I think I would argue is that books one and two are maybe not even YA. They are high oh, yeah, middle grade. Like oh, they yeah. are middle grade readers is what they're called, right? Agreed. Like they're not YA yeah, until this is you children. get to book yes. three. And then by books, and it's so funny because book seven is an adult yeah, fiction book. It's not YA, but this is still middle grade. And I think that that's, as you're talking about, like, that's an important aspect. Like, this is not a YA novel. A YA novel would not give you a recap. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Um, but it definitely starts with a similar framing to book one, where you start yes. with Harry and the Dursleys, and then a magical thing bursts into Harry's life, and then he gets whisked away. Hey, um, the fat shaming got worse. Yes, get ready for it to continue to get worse. Yeah. It got so much worse to the point where, so I read this, I read these chapters um, a week or two ago and then reread them right before recording. And like, I could not bring myself to reread chapter one. Mm -hmm. um, I would the... say that book three and four are the worst for that, especially four maybe just for cool. warning, I guess. Yeah. Can't chapters. wait to see how it gets worse than this. Maybe is it always because... targeted at the Dursleys? Yes. It's, it, but... it becomes more targeted just on Dudley. But I, I say. will say it comes up in regards to Molly Weasley. That's true. From the Slytherins, basically. Mm -hmm. Like okay. the Slytherins are using shaming tactics about Molly Weasley. Yeah. So there's that. I mean, and she is described in Chapter 3 as... I think plump is the word that's used here. Let me see if I can find that. Oh, I love this, actually. I love her. Um, 
Yeah, Mrs. Weasley was marching across the yard, scattering chickens, and for a short, plump, <laughs> kind-faced woman, it was remarkable how much she looked like a saber-toothed tiger. That is much better. <laughs> right, like, that's, that's benign, it feels like. This is page two on the American edition, and I suspect the main line that E is talking about. Dudley, who was so large his bottom drooped over either side of the kitchen chair, grinned and turned to Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, I'll note, is not a thing that happens. Like, yeah, that's, that's not, not how, how body work. fat works. So. so it's incorrect and... And gross. And gross. Like, yeah. obviously, like, and it, this continues throughout this chapter. Like, literally every time Dudley is mentioned, there's some reference to him being fat or lazy or stupid. Yeah. So uh, it's not great. D- saying Dudley waddling towards him. Dudley hitched up his trousers, which were slipping down his fat bottom. Yeah. Um, I think then, so here's what I'll say is book three is bad in a different way. And I would say that if you have an eating disorder or if you, that's um, book, that's four. book three, isn't it? Isn't book four when they do the diet? Oh, well, I thought it was book three. Pretty sure it's book four. So then yeah, book, it is, four. It is book four. Yeah. So we book should put four. contact warnings on. Book three is where, book three is where they're like, he's getting close to not being able to fit in his school uniforms is book three. And then book four is now he has to be on a diet. So, so we will put some content warnings when we get to book four about disordered eating and diets. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, a, a heads up that that's coming. Yeah. I feel like overall the Dursleys are like more cartoonishly villainous than book one. Like, but not as abusive, like differently what? abusive. Differently. Differently. Do but all like, these chores or you don't get to eat. But we're not going to show Now you you're locked into your room with bars on your window. Literally locking him in yeah. his room. But we're not hitting you anymore, I guess. Not hitting, and also, like, he has physical space as opposed yes. to the yeah. cupboard. It's a different dynamic. But also we had that whole discussion about class and, like, a bit of sympathy for Petunia. Like, I don't see any of that in this chapter. Like, I could not glean any... Petunia is barely in this, to be That's fair. That's true. Also. Yeah, it's a lot more focused on Dudley and... And Vernon. And Vernon. Like, I could not possibly humanize Vernon into, like, a person I know yeah. out of this chapter. Whereas, like, yeah. Vernon and Petunia, even as cartoonish as they were in book one, I could draw parallels to, like, people I've known. I think it's because we, in book one, we started with their perspectives, and then uh, we had, like, th- three chapters of... Dursley stuff and this that's true this book there's like one and a half two chapters I guess like move on to chapter two yeah let's let's be done with that <laughs> do you have any other like larger observations from chapter one not really okay should we talk about Dobby Dobby Dobby, Dobby arrives. I will send you both a picture I will put this in I'll put this on Twitter as well when we post this episode of Dobby oh I should find drawn- by uh mary nice nice um so i was surprised to see dobby this early Mm. because my understanding of dobby which is very limited but i i knew that he had much more of a like i knew that he mattered in the end of the story whatever the end of the story is Mm -hmm. um so i was surprised to see dobby in book two yeah, turns out he actually matters in every book. 
Nice. I, I think the only one he's in not very much is book three, probably. Yeah, he's not in book three. I don't or think at all. He's not in it at all. Yeah. Um, he shows up in two and then from four onward. So what do you think of Dobby? Um. <laughs> what do you think of him as a personality? And then what do you think of house elves? It might be a separate Okay, thing. yeah, these are separate <laughs> questions. Dobby as a character and as a personality, adorable. I would die for him. And I've only Same. just met him. <laughs> um, hey, do we want to talk about slavery? So yep. this is actually a conversation I think we should touch on now and, and come, we will back come back to, to later. later in this book and also in book four. Okay, because it straight up says that these are, I mean, these are beings that are owned. Yep. Oh, um, e, these are beings that want to be owned. Yes. Oh, good. Love that. Yeah, when you start to meet other house elves. Well, let's just say Dobby is an anomaly of okay. house elves in that he does not want to be enslaved. So. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't think that he doesn't want to be enslaved. I think that he doesn't want to be enslaved by the people who currently enslave him. That's true. That's true. But. Because he had to be. This is a little bit of a spoiler, but. I guess he, he has to, to be learn. convinced to take wages. Yeah. That's true. That's true. So from. Harry's conversation with Dobby, I was trying to tease out, like, how much of Dobby's personality here is, like, I don't know, for lack of a better word, a racial trait. Like, do all house elves behave this way? Or is this Dobby's mm. compulsion for self-punishment? And So, as far as I can tell, not all house elves behave that way specifically. That seems to be a Dobby-specific thing. There probably are other house elves that are like that, but there are house elves that are treated well, and there are house elves that are not treated well, and Dobby yes. is not treated well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because, like, it's, it's being written as if Dobby has trauma and, like, a compulsion to punish himself. Yes. And, like, I don't, I don't know. I can't speak to this because I don't. Obviously, there's only this one chapter. I would say keep that in mind, and we'll probably come back to this in book four in a really major way. Yes. We'll need to come back to it. I was going to say, and several and several other books, because there are some yeah. other significant uh, house elves, and just... Four is Spew, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, book four is where we're really going to get down and dirty into this. Mm -hmm. But keep that all in mind. <laughs> yes. So we meet Dobby. Yeah. We meet Dobby. God, I feel so bad for Harry here. Yeah. Can I... Can I? Oh yeah, me too. But yeah, Harry um, is Harry, very can nice. I, like, yes. Can I? I th there's just a moment yes. that I really love. I have to look at. While you're looking, uh, just a minor note. Dobby also has a written, like, speech quirk. Yes. Uh, first of all, he only ever uses his own name. He doesn't say I. Yeah. That's true across house elves. I don't know that they have self pronouns. Okay. Yeah. They have pronouns for other house elves, but not for themselves. Mm -hmm. And also for. Uh, verbs um, is present tense. Yes, it uh, not. It's not consistent. It's not consistent. But he also uses like they lets Dobby get on with it. Mm -hmm. I found the thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, it's yes. on page sixteen and and seventeen of the British edition. Harry says, "Why don't you leave? Escape?" And Dobby says, "A house elf must be set free, sir." And the family will never set Dobby free. Dobby will serve his family until he dies, sir. Harry stared. And I thought I was hard done by staying here for another four weeks, he said. 
This makes the, makes the Dursleys sound almost human. Can't anyone help you? Can't I? I just love that like the first thing Harry says when he finds out that Dobby is a slave is, can't I help you get away? Yeah. Harry's yeah. A good Harry boy. is very kind. <laughs> like, instantly. Yeah. Extremely nice. Yeah. I think also Harry's just lacking conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is something you'll encounter with other very kind witches and wizards. This is not something that crosses their mind. Because yes, I was going to say, that's, that's, that. what, that's, what I, that's the specific thing I want to talk about with Harry, is that he doesn't, he, he has doesn't never know. seen a house elf before. He doesn't know what a house elf is. As soon as he finds out what it is, he's like, this is wrong. Which is interesting to think about later, because Harry doesn't seem to have that strong feelings about it later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harry is still sort of the, I don't know if audience surrogate is the right thing here specifically, but like the normal person reacting to like, hey, what the hell, this is like a human yeah. rights, well, not humans, but like, this is bad. Yes. Uh, other things that happen in chapter two, we meet Mafalda Hopkirk, who we mentioned before, <laughs> and E was like, "Who? no idea who that is. Oh, so house elves can use magic. Yes. Oh, this at, is a very complicated topic. Yes. At least some extent. House elves have their own specific type of magic that only they can do. Which is true for most magical creatures, Mo- by yes. the way. Yes. Okay. So house elves, as far as I know, what they can do is they can teleport, where they can apparate by them, <laughs> I guess, but it's not the same as it is for wizards. And they can, I guess, levitate things. Because that's what Dobby does. They can do, basically, they can do things that are basic household things. So, like, lifting things up, cleaning, fetching things. And they are not allowed to have wands. Yes. Okay. But neither are any other magical creatures. Velas are allowed to have wands. Well, half velas. Yes. We don't know about full velas. I don't, yeah. The only ones we see don't have wands. As far as you know. Yeah, magical creatures. If they have their own... Well, you know, I don't know. Humans also have their own inherent magic and they're allowed wands. But that... Because that was... I think it says somewhere in later books when they're talking about goblins, Ron says, you like, you have your own magic. And the, the goblin they're talking to is like, that's not the point. The point is... We're... Yeah. Seen as not human or not, not people because we can't use wands. We're not allowed to use wands. Anyway. And you think you should think of a wand as a channeling mechanism. Yes. Right. Because wandless magic exists in the Harry Potter mm-hmm. world. Anyway. Yeah. Also, fun fact, often exploited by the fandom, um, the Ministry can't tell, seems to not be able to tell the kind of magical signature that's happening. So that was just like, why... like Which means that, like, Kids in a magical household could be doing magic and no one would know. And do magic. You find out later that, I'll just give this away because it's a funny story and you'll recognize it in context. Fred turned Ron's teddy bear into a giant spider when he was like three, right? Like this happens, but because it's in a magical household where there are adults with a magical signature, it's not noticed. But in a muggle-born household, it would be noticed. Yeah, so that was my question, is, like, how can they... Apparently they can't tell so who used the magic or even what species used the magic. 
So this is a thing. I think this actually is a plot hole. I was just thinking about it um, because you learn much later that underage wizards under the age of 17 have a thing called a spell called the trace on them. That's automatically on them. Every wizard under the age of 17, which is how the ministry can tell if they're doing magic outside of school, which means that it shouldn't matter if Dobby does magic, right? Hmm. Because he doesn't have the trace. And the way the fandom talks about that one is apparition is part of the trace, but no other magic is because you have to be huh. over 17 to apparate. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And that way this still works because yeah. otherwise it's a, like, otherwise Dobby's plan doesn't work. And yeah. this is like a, a motivation for an entire character. So you can't have it be a plot hole. <laughs> so the fandom has figured out how to make it not a plot hole, but I feel like that was not the author figuring yeah. that out. No, no. What's the <laughs> ratio of Muggleborn to like wizard family students at Hogwarts? A lot more Muggleborns in general in the world. This is the thing when we look when we look at the Purebloods page, it talks yeah. about how there there used to be in the time of the founders, there were way more Muggleborns everywhere. And then there, there started to be less, and now there are more again. Uh, there's one more thing I wanted to mention to talk about in um, chapter two, which is Harry's dream. I thought it might be interesting to kind of look at, because Harry has a lot of dreams throughout the books, and some of them are wild and wacky, and some of them are important. So I just thought it'd be interesting to look at the different dreams that he has. Yeah, this is... So... On page 22 in the British edition. Page 23 in the American. Uh, it says, he dreamed that he was on show in a zoo with a card reading underage wizard attached to his cage. People goggled through the bars at him as he lay, starving and weak, on a bed of straw. He saw Dobby's face in the crowd and shouted out, asking for help. But Dobby called, Harry Potter is safe there, sir, and vanished. Then the Dursleys appeared and Dudley rattled the bars of the cage, laughing at him. So that's an anxiety dream. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, he has a lot of those. To be fair, he does. He does. Relatable. He's fed through a cat flap. He has bars on his window. He loses his the, like the small amount of power that he'd gained against the Dursleys when the letter arrives from Mafalda Hopkirk, mm-hmm. because then and it proves that he's not allowed out. to. Yeah. Yeah. Do magic. So there's that. Was there anything else overarching in in chapter two that you wanted to talk about? I do one one tiny thing. It's very sweet that. Um, he feeds Hedwig mm-hmm. yeah. like out of his own portion like gives her the the actual solid food and just drinks yeah. the, the broth that's it that's all he has I guess um, just in terms of plot just a quick overview Dobby's been stopping the letters that people have been sending to oh, Harry yes. and Dobby is letting out all these warnings about uh, Harry Potter must not return to school there are horrible things being planned to happen there yeah. So the reason Dobby shows up is to try and convince Harry not to go back to Hogwarts for reasons that Dobby can't say. And the reason that he uses the hover charm is to get Harry stuck. In trouble. Yeah. Um, so that's why the plot hole doesn't work, because this is an entire motivation for an entire character. But now, importantly, we meet more Weasleys. Yay! I love chapter the three. chapter. I think I... I like the chapter after the burrow. The first one we'll read next time even more, mm-hmm. oh, which yeah. is called. Flourish and well, Blossom. Actually, I guess the first half of the chapter. Yeah. 
it's called at flourish and blots but uh the burrow um is such a lovely chapter and it starts it's really nice with ron and fred and george in a flying car outside of harry's window yes so this is a thing that i thought happened in book one mm-hmm. oh i don't know why because it clearly like this is obviously the spot where it happens like now that yeah. i think about it at all but I always had it in my mind that this was a book one incident with the flying car. So this is, maybe I was just thinking this in my head or I said it, when we were talking about in the beginning of book one, we were talking about Harry's uh, relationship to having a family. And I just love, this chapter is the moment where Harry gets to see a good family. Yeah. Okay, I do have a question, actually. Yes. And maybe this is something that has a reason that is a spoiler mm-hmm. why is it necessary for harry to stay with That's the dursleys that is a spoiler <laughs> and there is a reason break. i think you did ask that before already i think <laughs> yes, i did it, it is a spoiler <laughs> and yes there is a reason it has like, to do with magic that's months. it yes why couldn't he um stay at the weasleys or something so this is actually something that comes up in book four very briefly he doesn't have to stay the whole summer but he has to stay for 24 hours minimum Really? Is it 24 hours minimum? It's got to be. I don't know that they set a time, but it has to be like enough that it is considered to be home. Yeah, I thought it was like a couple weeks or a month or something. But hmm. uh, I don't know that there's a time frame ever explicitly stated, but it has to be <laughs> yeah. what he considers to be home. Yes. He has to consider it as his home. Why? Even if he hates it. Even though he does like often say Hogwarts is his home. I was going to say, I don't feel like he does. There's a lot of complex reasoning. I have thoughts about it. Um, We'll get to it when we get to the spoilers of the reasons for that. (laughs) Which is book... Five. Yeah. Really explicitly book five at the end. So anyways, we're still (laughs) salty about that. Um, Because the Weasleys, like, and then the author is doing it so deliberately here. Mm -hmm. They're just so much nicer of a family. Even like... Even though it starts with Mrs. Weasley yelling at the but kids. Yelling out of concern. Yeah. In the way that, like, a good parent does. Look at the difference between the way Mrs. Weasley yells and the way, like, Vernon yells. Yeah. And why they're yelling. And she also doesn't yell at Harry. Yeah. Because... Harry thinks that she's going to. Because well, he's yeah. Harry. But... I also, um... I, I, <laughs> what did the Dursleys expect to do with him? <laughs> Dur- Vernon is shouting, he's getting away. What What exactly do you expect to do with him? Keep him locked inside so that he can't learn more magic and scare them more. I think is the essential thing. That's yeah. why they put the bars on the window. It's more It's more uh, clownish in the movie, I would say. Yeah, it's even more clownish in the movie. It's like slapstick. Um, but anyway. The first two movies, bad. Oh, great. Um, oh, I love them. They're so oh, bad. I love them. Oh, uh, I love them. Oh, but I love them. I've been rewatching BBC Merlin. I, I am extremely on board with that. This is terrible yeah. and I love it. Yeah. It's not this is terrible Train. and I love it. It's there are cute moments, but this is not a good movie. I think I love them because I only love them because of the the kids. Like that's why I love them. That's fair. The like they're not well directed, they're not well written, they're not well shot. The music but those is kids good. though. Those kids, those though. kids though. Like Christopher Columbus directed the first two movies. The problem is also he's American. Like he's just like, it's not yeah. good. And yeah. then you get 
Alfonso Cuaron coming in in book three being like, no, we're, sh- we're, we're throwing all this shit out and we're starting over. We're going to a new um, location. We're going, we're yeah, doing, we're stopping our uniforms. We're doing, like, Books three and four, yeah. the movies of book three and four are great. Book five, not so much. And then There's I have other stuff thoughts. about book four I don't like, but anyway, or movie four. We'll get there. But anyway, we'll get there when we watch movies. Five, six, seven, eight, bad. Five, six, worst. Seven, eight, eh. Anyway, let's. Yeah. <laughs> We'll get there. Let's continue. To be fair, Daniel Radcliffe had a substance abuse problem during movies five and six. I did not know that, but he yeah. was not the thing that I didn't like about those movies. So no, he is one of the things um, that I don't like about those movies. Anyway, so we get we get Fred and George just straight up using like rope and lock picking to bust Harry out. Yeah, which is great. Like I think the first characters we've seen, Ebron, the first characters we've seen not be like entirely all the way up their own asses about magic yes which is a very important thing about the weasley family is that they are we'll get to this when we talk about purebloods they are a pureblood blood family but they are the only pureblood family that like really likes muggles basically (laughs) and like gets along with them they're known as blood blood traitors traitors. (laughs) so we can get into the political implications of that yes love the implications of that phrase they yell, they also talk about the Malfoy family, right? I was going to say that a first bit yeah. of Malfoy background, uh, you you start to learn a little tiny bit about Malfoy's dad, mm-hmm. and you'll get more of that in the next chapter we read. I didn't realize this hadn't been made explicit already, but maybe that's just my like cultural knowledge seeping in that like the Malfoy family is super rich and like yes, yeah. I don't think it was. I don't think it's explicit in the first book really uh, unless you just infer it based on the way that draco behaves it's implied by the fact that also his dad is off to buy him the best racing broom right mm-hmm. uh we get the first basically the first introduction to the ministry of magic you start to learn a little bit about the wizarding government in britain such as yeah. it is such as the two offices that are mentioned, improper use of magic and the misuse of muggle artifacts, which is where yeah. Mr. Weasley works. Um, how does Mr. Weasley know that Harry got in trouble? Uh, it's just rumors around the ministry. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, guess Harry is, I guess Harry Potter is famous. Yes. Harry's famous and the ministry is real bad at keeping information locked yes. in the department. They just Good. like they're all in the elevator in the lifts together. They're all talking about whatever is going on, and like yeah, every like department is... always constantly. Okay. <laughs> when you go to the ministry, you'll find out. <laughs> is the ministry like is that a central location? Yeah, it's in London. Yes. London. Okay. I don't yes. know where the Weasleys live. They live. They, they live, live near Ottery Saint Catchpole. <laughs> is that a real place? I have. I was. I meant to look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. All right, let's look it up. Um, in book four, they also mentioned a nearby town, but I can't remember what the nearby town is called. Yeah. No, Ottery St. Catchpole is, Pole is the nearby town because they live... Oh, uh, yeah, they live. They don't live in the town. Uh, there is Ottery St. Mary in the UK. Harry Potter wiki says it's in Devon. I guess... I don't know where Devon is. <laughs> that doesn't yeah, help at all. It's, it's only showing up... On maps, it's only showing up as Ottery St. Mary. Right. And she probably on, just renamed yeah. a place that she knew. Yeah. Where's Devon? And it is, in the books, it is a village that has a mix of muggles and wizards living in it. Oh, okay. It's in the southwest. Idyllic. Past the country. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Seems nice. A great place for a burrow to be. 
Yeah, later we uh, learn a bit more about the landscape around the borough, and so I have a very clear image of what the landscape Oh, it's like all the way out towards, like, Cornwall. Yeah, they had to drive a long time. They had to fly a long time to get there. Presumably this car only flies as fast as it would drive. Here's the thing. I just recently learned that a train from London to Bath takes an hour and a half, and it only takes two hours to drive. So oh, yeah, England is huh. wild yeah. and it's tiny. true, because they have We're so Americans. many trains. It takes, like, five hours to cross one state in the United States, so... I mean, like, I'm, I'm from Chicago, and I've done a day trip down to University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, and that's, like, if you speed and you hit no traffic, it takes two and a half hours. Yeah, and that's within yeah. the same. Oh, state. I do day trips. Yeah, I do day trips to Toronto and London all the time, which is like three hours, three and a half hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, London, Ontario, to be yes. specific. Um, yes, Adela's <laughs> not taking a day trip across the pond. Um, <laughs> Anyways, geography aside. Yeah, I think we should talk a little bit about the Weasleys. I guess the Weasleys' house seems idyllic in the extremely romanticized country yes. house and kind of way. magical. I also have thoughts. I love right. the borough. Let's hear what are your here. thoughts? My thoughts are, there are certain things, there are certain uh, rules of magic. You cannot create food from nothing, and there's another, you cannot, like, something, something, something. I can't remember what the other one is. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the guy whose laws it is? It's like G... G- yeah, I can't remember. Laws. <laughs> I thought I started with a Z, but whatever. Uh, here's my thing. You can create, like, entire rooms out of magic you can just like wave your wand and there's a wall and it is a good wall this was a choice to make the borough the way that it is like an in-universe choice yeah an in-universe choice the weasleys get made fun of later for the way their house is shaped and the fact that they have no money money should have way way less meaning in the wizarding world and it does for the weasleys because they are poor and they you can see that in that they have to get hand-me-down uh, and like use But why do items, they have to get but... hand-me-downs? They could just conjure this stuff. Yeah. This is like, like to the point where before I started like getting into this series, I thought that the Weasleys were muggles. Like before I started reading yeah. the books, I thought the Weasleys were muggles. I found uh, do you want me to read the fundamental laws of magic from the Harry Potter wiki? Sure. Sure. And also, we were both wrong about the first letter. It's Adelbert Waffling. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so the first law is... Wow, these are more complicated than I thought they were. I'm not sure, I'm not sure that these are the laws that we're talking about. I don't about. think these are the ones we're talking about. There's and, one about food and there's one about one other. There's only two. Yeah. It's not fundamental laws of magic. It's Gamp's Law of Elemental Transfiguration. It was a G. I was right. I knew it was a G. That's the, oh, those are laws of transfiguration specifically, not of magic. There you go. Food is the first of the five principal exceptions of Gamp's law of elemental transfiguration. It is impossible to make good food out of nothing. You can summon it if you know where it is. You can transform it. You can increase the quantity of it if you've already got some. I would assume that you also cannot multiply money. Uh... Nope, that's all that's mentioned. I don't know. I don't think... I think it still makes sense that they have hand-me-down like because the things that they have hand-me-downs are of are like robes which have to be made specially yeah but they don't wands which they like definitely have to be made specially i guess like mrs weasley could make robes for them if you've got one pair of robes you just multiply them so you have many extras and then you shrink or expand them 
true. This feels like one of those things that the author didn't think through. Yeah. Yeah. And like I rather than the author choosing (laughs) to make this a deliberate choice. This is one of those things that I always got really angry about, which is like if you want the burrow to be this like creaking quaint situation, that's fine. That's a choice. But within the world of the books, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It does say that it's mostly seems to be held up by magic. We meet who, which Weasleys do we meet? We meet, this is the first time we meet Mr. Mr. Weasley. Yeah, um, briefly. What do, you, what do you think of Mr. Weasley? Um, let me find him again. He doesn't say much. So we see Mr. Weasley come home from work. Um, we hear about his job a little bit. <laughs> and then he gets into a fight with Mrs. Weasley about the car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which we don't hear all of, but, but it's very cute. Like, in the way that, and it's, again, this is um, probably an intentional yeah. this is to the Dursleys. This is a couple who loves each other very much bickering. Yes. Like, this is a bicker, not, uh, not a screaming match. Like, even though the author is using words like shouting, there's some all caps. It's clearly written in the way that, like, you know, in five minutes, in five minutes, they're going to be over it. Yeah. Mr. Weasley loves muggles <laughs> and loves muggle technology. Which is great. <laughs> Your sons flew that car to Harry's house and back last night, shouted Mrs. Weasley. What have you got to say about that, eh? Did you really? said Mr. Weasley eagerly. Did it go all right? I, I mean, he faltered as sparks flew from Mrs. Weasley's eyes. That, that was very wrong, boys. Very wrong indeed. Um, there's a description. I'm going to take a moment to praise jkr for a moment so it's allowed. um it's allowed it's not encouraged but it is allowed <laughs> um it's on page 33 is where it starts of the american edition the kitchen was small and rather cramped you can read the whole thing if you want we've got sure. time just go for it the kitchen was small and rather cramped There was a scrubbed wooden table and chairs in the middle, and Harry sat down at the edge of his seat looking around. He had never been in a wizard house before. The clock on the wall opposite him had only one hand and no numbers at all. Written around the edge were things like, time to make tea, time to feed the chickens, and you're late. Books were stacked three deep on the mantelpiece, books with titles like Charm Your Own Cheese, Enchantment and Baking, and One Minute Feasts. It's magic! And unless Harry's ears were deceiving him, the old radio next to the sink had just announced that coming up was the witching hour with the popular singing sorceress Celestina Warbeck. And this, like, that feeling that she evokes very wonderfully continues, and there's a moment, I'm just going to skip to the end of the chapter as well, um, Mm -hmm. where they're going up to... To Ron's room. They climbed two more flights until they had reached a room with peeling paint reached a door with peeling paint and a small plaque on it saying ronald's room harry stepped in his head almost touching the sloping ceiling and blinked it was like walking into a furnace nearly everything in ron's room seemed to be a violent shade of orange the bedspread the walls even the ceiling then harry realized that ron had covered nearly every inch of the shabby wallpaper with posters of the same seven witches and wizards all wearing bright orange robes carrying broomsticks and waving energetically I'm just going to skip. Ron's school books were stacked untidily in the corner next to a pile of comics that all seemed to feature, and I love this, The Adventures (laughs) of Martin Miggs, the Mad Muggle. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the Weasleys love muggles to the point where they give their children (laughs) comics about muggles. Ron's magic wand was lying on top of a fish tank full of frog spawn on the windowsill. 
next to his fat gray rat scabbers who was snoozing in a patch of sun. Harry stepped over a pack of self-shuffling playing cards on the floor and looked at the tiny window. In a field far below, he could see a gang of gnomes sneaking in one by one back through the Weasley's hedge. Then he turned to look at Ron, who was watching him almost nervously as though waiting for his opinion. It's a bit small, said Ron quickly. Not like that room you had with the muggles. And I'm right underneath the ghoul in the attic. He's always banging on the pipes and groaning. But Harry, grinning widely, said, this is the best house I've ever been in. Ron's ears went pink. It's so sweet. I love it so much. In the same way that she does know when to let scenes breathe, which is something that we talked about in the last book, these descriptions of the Weasley's house have that same take a moment, take a breath. Like We were just talking about Aphantasia in in a server we're all in, so um, my apologies for the way I'm about to phrase this, but you can just picture it in your mind's eye. Um, It is very well described. It is very... She's very good at cozy. And she's also very good at just general room descriptions, as you'll find later on in this book. She has a knack for, like, small things that make a room. The book's stacked four deep on the mantelpiece, right? And um, the way the titles of the books are very good, and the the Martin Miggs, the Mag Muggle, like, just tiny details. It's very evocative, very it's quickly. very evocative. And every time I read any of these books... There are just small moments like this that really jump out at me. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there's, no, there's no way these books would be what they are without it. Yes, absolutely. And also, there's a reason that like, she has a way of describing things that is very easy for the fandom as a whole to picture, which is why a lot of descriptions and a lot of visualizations of, even when, even when Hermione, for instance, is drawn as light or mixed race or black, the way that she carries herself is consistent, right? And same with Harry, whether he's drawn as Indian or Southeast Asian or white or mixed, he is, again, consistently carrying himself. And the way that the Gryffindor common room is drawn or pictured or whatever, these are very consistent things that she has done a good job to sort of let breathe and be very focused on and, and very evocative in the way that she talks about them. And I think that that's really powerful. Yeah, this is good. This is good writing. From from chapter one to chapter three, doing a complete turnaround on yeah <laughs> on, on the author's writing here. <laughs> yeah, of course. We are nothing if not full of contradictions. <laughs> yes, as are true. these books apparently. <laughs> uh, we also meet. Do we meet Percy, or do they just talk about Percy? In they this? talk they about Percy. Yeah. Talk about Percy. Yeah, we um. meet. The idea of Percy. <laughs> we meet the, the conception of Percy from various angles. Do, do gnomes come back as a thing, or is this a one-off joke? No, they, they come back. They come okay. back, but always as a one-off joke. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're not important. Because this scene where they're just, like, chucking gnomes is wild. Like, what is this? Why is this? And then when they first, when Pottermore was first opened, there was, when you had to play through the, through the books as a, like a game Oh my god, thing, was there a mini game? There was a mi- mini game where you had to chuck gnomes. Yep. It was really challenging. It was genuinely <laughs> difficult. It was really hard. I missed the era of internet web games yes. so much. <laughs> I don't know if we want to talk a ton about gnomes, but this is a wild piece of world it's a building. Wild... Yeah to have done here it's a thing that i thought about 
the the concept of like garden pests but sapient yes <laughs> the um, thing i thought about this time is that is like do they only go in wizarding homes or are they also in muggle homes and muggles just don't see them because we are oblivious to magic yeah like, also why is it bad that they're there yeah i don't know what they i don't know what they do it doesn't say what they do other than they are pests do we have anything else to say about chapter three um this chapter's very nice. I want to live in this house. Yeah. This reminds me of, like, the family and home in all the best ways, which I think mm-hmm. is the point of it. Yes. So it's Definitely. good. Shall we move on to Pottermore? Yeah, let's talk about Purebloods. Oh, the boy. Pureblood page. This was an interesting page to read. So there sure is a lot about, like, bloodlines in these yeah. books, huh? The thing that yes. I found really interesting was that which I didn't expect was that during the time of the Hogwarts founders, Salazar Slytherin was a radical in his thoughts about Muggleborns and Muggles being inferior. Like everyone else kind of lived not in harmony, but like it was, it was a normal thing for Muggleborns to exist. And then it, and then like pure blood ideology bred from that. And everyone um, got racist. A very interesting thing that I thought uh, that I noticed, or I think it says, maybe it says it explicitly, an interesting um, perspective is that pure blood is used as a political term rather than a biological term, I guess, because mm. mm-hmm. the pure blood families, like none of them are, can actually be proven. If that, does that well, make sense? Well, and it's also like, Harry is called across the books a pureblood and a halfblood because both of his parents were magical, therefore he is pureblood, but his mother is muggle-born, therefore sometimes he is called halfblood. Yeah, so the paragraph that Adela was referencing, this is about like the 1700s, like this is sort of a historical timeline sort of page. They talk about the statute of secrecy being passed, and then... Those now self-describing as purebloods were unlikely to have any higher proportion of wizarding ancestors than those who did not. To call oneself a pureblood was more accurately a declaration of political or social intent. For example, I will not marry a muggle and I consider muggle-wizard marriage reprehensible than a statement of biological fact. Yeah. Purebloods. Oh, great. I want to... Do we want to talk more about that specifically or can I talk about this dumb word talk about this dumb word <laughs> talk about the dumb word talk about the dumb word and then i want to talk about the sacred 28 okay yes oh yes definitely um so in the second paragraph um it's it's talking about muggleborns in like hundreds of years ago like during the founders era they were affectionately named magbobs or is it magbobs because it's magic i assume it's magbob magbob sounds worse than magbob but they're both, they both bad. sound bad. And they both and they remind me of No Match. The, yeah, I was just gonna say the thing in Fantastic Beasts where oh, in God. in America, apparently, no, you don't call them muggles, you call them for no all match. The experience no matches. and talent that this author has at creating yeah. personal names. Yeah. She is absolutely garbage at creating like made up words. Okay. But but like I think Muggle is better than Ma- Madge Bob and no Madge. Yeah, Muggle is all right. 
Because that's like how, because that's how English words work. Yeah. The other ones are just like mixing, like trying to combine words that don't sound good together. Anyway. Yes. Like they don't, they don't flow off the tongue, the tongue, which means that they wouldn't come out. They wouldn't like, I don't, I'm not a linguist, but doesn't slang happen because it's easier to say. I don't want to go deep into the linguistic weeds on this, but like every language has certain like implicit rules on which sounds can go in which places. And both mag Bob, Madge Bob and no Madge are like, Bad. They don't work. Yeah. yeah. They they're not good. Um you can't put like specifically J sounds are like pretty restricted in English. Mm-hmm. Um and both of those words have them in places where they really oughtn't be. So uh, oh, what I wanted to say about that was just that I think that she wrote this thing on Pottermore like around the same time that she was writing the screenplay for Fantastic Probably. Beasts. Probably. <laughs> so yeah. Can I just touch on the, like, magical phrenology stuff that's yeah. in here? <laughs> Supposedly, and this is in-universe mid-18th century, which sounds about right, um, supposed indicators of pure blood status, aside from the family tree, onset of magical ability before the age of three, early before age seven, prowess on a broomstick, dislike or fear of pigs and those who tend them, as the pig is often considered a particularly non-magical animal and is notoriously difficult to charm. Resistance to common childhood illnesses. Outstanding, outstanding physical, physical attractiveness. attractiveness. And an aversion to muggles observable even in the pure-blood baby, which supposedly shows signs of fear and disgust in their presence. I so, will like, point out the following paragraph, though. I mean, yeah, successive studies produced by the Department of Mysteries have proven that these supposed hallmarks have no basis in fact... Nevertheless, they continue to be cited as evidence. Yeah. So this is like literal eugenics. Yes. Like shit. this is yes. Um, this is also garbage. interesting to know another thing that the Department of Mysteries does. I'm always curious about what they do in that strange department. Yeah. Um, I will also point out that pigs, again, being maligned here, very smart animals. <laughs> um, yeah. But also, Dudley gets a pigtail added in book one. I wrote in my notes, uh, in all caps, outstanding physical attractiveness, because I found that hilarious. That's <laughs> ridiculous in so many different ways. Um, um, like this, it, it sounds like this list was written by, it was, it was written by a pureblood family, definitely. It was just like... Oh, please. It was written by the Malfoys. Yeah, it was written by the Malfoys. That's, that's it. I mean, this is, uh, this is just eugenics. Like, yes. Yeah, and uh, let me be clear. People talk about Voldemort and his followers as Nazis. They are also eugenicists. Yeah, that is yeah. made explicitly clear and argued against. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kudos to the author for making this so reprehensible. Like, she is not stating something good here or even something that is argued. Like, it yeah. is stated, put on the bad side, and said, this is bad. But I do want to talk about the Sacred 28, partly yeah. because this is something that comes up obliquely as a part of this pure blood mentality that, E, again, you should have as you move through the rest of this book, mm-hmm. but also because this is something in the fandom that comes up a lot. Okay this list of 28 families yes so in the 1930s which you can draw a lot of parallels between the muggle and magical world like you'll find the references to a big bad called grindelwald that was essentially the rise of hitler and Mm. the implication is that grindelwald funded the rise of hitler in some capacity is that the one who did crimes (laughs) yes the crimes of yes grindelwald yes (laughs) um yes 
I, okay, anyway, I don't even know how to. <laughs> no need to talk about that. So this Pure Blood directory was published anonymously, which listed the 28 truly pure blood families as judged by the unknown authority who had written the book. There's a triple asterisk here that says widely believed to be, this is a great name, Cantankerous Knot. Absolutely top tier name. Oh, my, I have a favorite name in this on this page, which I will okay, mention good. after this. But <laughs> Not is one of the sacred 28 names. I'm just going to very quickly read these sacred 28 names. Yeah. Abbott, Avery, Black, Bulstrode, Burke, Caro, Crouch, Folly, Flint, Gaunt, Greengrass, Lestrange, Longbottom, Macmillan, Malfoy, Not, Ollivander, Parkinson, Pruitt, Rosier, L- Roll, Dilwyn, Shacklebolt, Shafiq, Bloodhorn, Travers, Weasley, Yaxley. We never see a Shafiq. I was about to mention that is the only non-European name on We this never list. see a Shafiq. The Gaunts have died out. Ollivander has no children. Those are I three important things. We never see a We hear about that. a Folly, okay. I think. There's a couple of these. That, uh, there's other ones I remember hearing about. I'm pretty sure we hear about a Folly as well. Um, technically, the Crouch line also has no children. We'll yes. talk about that in a few <laughs> You said Rosier, so that must be a French... Yes. Yeah, it's spelled Rosier, but I have always heard it pronounced as Rosier in the audiobooks and in the films. Yeah, okay. And in the fandom, it's always that pronounced as Rosier. Um, yes. Also one of the only non-Anglo like names yeah. on the list. Um, many, Shafiq... of these are, many of these are very, very Anglo-English names. Yeah. Yeah. This is the 1930s, so you think about where the British Empire was and the fact that Shafiq as a surname could come from Middle East, Northern Africa, could come from India. Mm-hmm. It's an Arab, Arab or Muslim sounding name. Yeah. The point is, that's the only name where we don't get a named character of, and of the other Sacred 28, in the fandom, it is really, really common to talk about the fact that the Potters used to be on the Sacred 28. Now, this is something the fandom adds. And they say that the Potters were taken off the Sacred 28 when James married Lily, Mm -hmm. or were never added to the Sacred 28 because in the fandom, it's very common to say that James and his family are from India. And so the implication Uh, is that he might be a first-generation immigrant, and therefore they weren't on the British list. This is also a common... Interesting. Now, when you say they were taken off or changed from the list, there are 28 names here. Does that mean there so used the to implication be being or... that there were 29 or that names could be added if they stayed in Britain for long enough? The right? Weasleys being on the list is contested. Yeah, uh, because that's of the next paragraph, which we should also talk about. We which we should also talk about. But I do want to also say there is, I keep referencing this fic where it's a complete rewrite of like the magical theory behind things. But there's a couple of other fics that I've seen along with that one where they talk about having the Sacred 28, but then there's like a longer list that includes, because this is just Britain in, in yes. the fandom often. So it includes Scotland, it includes Ireland, it includes Wales, it includes mm-hmm. like Europe in some cases. And so there's like a longer list of like 70 something or 50 something, depending on the fic, that mm-hmm. like has a different, different list of names. And I just think it's really interesting that the fandom in most cases brings it up to dismiss it or talk about the magical underpinnings of the list without giving it value. But it is something that regularly comes up in the fandom, despite its really unsavory history. 
and yeah. background in the novels. This is something that the fandom has glommed onto and said, A, Harry should be on this list or was once a part of this list. Oh, that's why. I don't that's know. That's weird. Yeah. But this is something that comes up a lot is Harry should be on this list or the Potters should have been on this list. It's something that comes up in a lot of fix. Is that Harry's a pureblood, didn't you know? Harry's a pureblood, James was a pureblood. Like, who fuck cares? Anyway. That's, that's disappointing. And the, I'll just give a quick thing. The Peverells are also not on here. Maybe because they died out by the 30s, <laughs> yeah. we don't know. I mean, the Gaunts, another name. the Gaunts The Gaunts are, but the Peverells aren't. And that's a name that, like, if you're thinking about it, should be on the list. Yes. For those of you who no know what I'm talking about. E, you'll get there. <laughs> I was going to say. To be fair, not very many people know about the Peverells at all. Like they're not they're not like a common word, like commonly known historical family. Yeah, but apparently world. neither are the Shafiqs. Yeah, true. That's true. I have a little bit of a bee in my bonnet about this list and how it's treated in the fandom. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't like that. I like, don't like that. This is something that. that comes up a lot. When does this list come up in the book? Doesn't like in my books? No, it doesn't. Are we gonna? It doesn't. Are, Nope. It doesn't at all? Nope. <laughs> so this is just a Pottermore thing. Like, there's, you get these names, but... I think the phrase Sacred 28 comes once. Mm, and I could not okay. even tell you where. No, it doesn't. It does not. It definitely doesn't. I would know. I would remember that. Um, but it, I think they refer to a list in book seven. seven. But they don't, it's, so it, you don't see the list. It's the author expanding on this pureblood stuff yeah. so much. And then the fandom took it and ran with it. Yeah. So, um, um, Adela wanted to talk about what the next I, paragraph. What I said before, I think I said, like, oh, people wanted to cut Weasley from the list. That's not true. The Weasleys wanted to be taken off the be list. Cut off from the list. Yes. This page is one of the few that I really appreciate from her. Yes. Yes. Mm, agreed. Mm -hmm. Quick shout out to, in the first footnote, the best name that I've ever seen. That was the name I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, this is my favorite name on this page. <laughs> This name. Okay, you so, say it. <laughs> sorry, I got really excited for some reason. There's, it's a good name. <laughs> so there's a book about muggles and the way that muggles um, are oblivious to magic called The Philosophy of the Mundane, Why Muggles Prefer Not to Know by Professor Morticus Egg. Such a fucking great <laughs> name. It's a great name. It is on the same level as Cantankerous Not. Yes. It is. It's the Both it's the, like tier. long complicated first name followed by a short like one syllable and also egg is just a funny word to me in egg general. Egg is a great so. word. <laughs> the technical magical rewrite fic for those who want to know is called Never Grow a Wishbone by Shanna Storyteller on AO3. Um, it is updated monthly. It is ongoing. It is 20 chapters, 102,075 words so far, an unknown number of chapters will be written, but it is, when I say technical, I mean technical, but very well-written magical rewrite um, that cool. does get into some of this bloodline, quite a lot of this bloodline stuff. Anyway. Uh, also, shout out to the very brief mention of, like, the consequences of inbreeding in the second yes. footnote. Where families adhered consistently to the practice of marrying within a very small group of fellow witches and wizards, mental and physical instability and weakness seems to result. Along those lines, shout out to another fic that is ongoing that I also think is great. I know, I know, just, I know. <laughs> we need to just have a fic rec segment. Yeah. It's called <laughs> Way Down We Go by Ziak, X-I-A-Q, also on AO3, where this is um, in the future epilogue, what epilogue, Draco is actually dealing with the effects of inbreeding. That's interesting. 
very, very interesting, very well yeah. written, uh, just about halfway done and updated regularly. Cool. Cool. We'll put links to those. Yeah. We will put links to those. Yeah. In and I just, it's so rare to find one of these pages that is good. Yeah. We found one that's like useful background information that affects the story in an interesting way, despite being entirely additional information. Yeah. Like there's some, some nonsense, but the nonsense is not like, it's not like the nonsense in some of the other pages that we've it's read. It's like useful in world. It's nonsense. like, oh yeah, it's like, and there's like, here's some funny names, but like, and here's some like jokes about whatever, but. But also this is a useful information that you can like pull together. Yeah. It, it will be re very relevant to think about these things in our reading the next chapter. Can't wait. Boy, howdy, will it. Yes. Um very much yeah i guess we should talk about we are going to be as stated in our book one wrap-up episode we are going to be reading this second book e what's the title of this book <laughs> chamber of secrets hey uh, <laughs> i wasn't looking that time um we are going to be reading this book in three chapter chunks so if you are reading along um we will be reading at flourish and blots the Mawping willow and gildor lockhart for the next episode uh, yeah, th All things right. happen in that one, don't they? <laughs> they sure do. I have more very specific thoughts about things. Great. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm very critical of this book. It gives it's us a lot to talk about. Critical. Zoe, do you want to take us out? I would be glad to. Thank you all for listening so much. If you would like to follow us, you can do so at Potternot on both Twitter and Tumblr. The theme music was by the fantastic Morgan Jackson, and you can find more of his work at wedidthetimewarpagain.bandcamp.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z, and buy my book, Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, wherever books are sold. You can find me on Twitter at CEL10E. Um, I'm there as well on Twitch and YouTube, although my streaming is kind of spotty lately. And you can find me on Twitter at Aredel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore. Uh, you can also listen to a short actual play podcast of Ball of Magic called Flight of Magic that I'm in on every podcasting platform. And <laughs> and that's it. Thanks and so that's much. It. I'm excited to be back. Excited to be back at it. Yes. It's yes. so good to be back. And this time, if you have questions for us across book two, feel free to send them in anytime. If they're going to be spoilers, send them to our Tumblr. If they're going to be regular questions, send them to our Twitter. We'll start gathering questions even now for book one wrap up. But also, mm -hmm. if it turns out we get a ton of questions on a chapter or so, we'll like do a little. We can do explicit section. chapters. Yeah. yeah or, like, so yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite things about doing Potter Not is talking to people about their thoughts yeah. about the things that we're talking about. Like, because we have our yeah. we have free perspectives here. We want to know everyone else's perspectives. Yeah, exactly. Give us your thoughts. Give us your messy feelings. everybody thanks so much for listening and make sure to hydrate yes drink some water happy <laughs> february bye happy february bye bye <laughs> wow that was a very long exit it was but that's what we're, we're doing we're a down ramp on that one <laughs>
<laughs> We're doing great.